Well, today we are wrapping up our series on the book of James, and this is uh, just a means of uh, recap, just so we can remember where we've been and, uh, you know, just sort of cement it all into our minds as we uh, finish up here today. James is not the disciple James. He's who? He's the, the half-brother, right, of Jesus. And if you remember, James didn't actually become a follower of Jesus until after Jesus' resurrection. And he becomes the pastor of the local church there in Jerusalem. And as he's pastoring the church, a great persecution breaks out against the Christians there in Jerusalem. In fact, many of the people have to flee Jerusalem. And so James, this is about uh, 12 to 15 years then after Jesus' resurrection, he decides he's going to write a letter to his congregation to sort of encourage them in their faith and give them sort of some practical next steps to take in their faith as well. And what we've discovered is James likes to sort of pair certain words together. And so in week one of the series, we looked at testing and persevering. The great tests and adversity are going to come, but we got to persevere through those things. And then in week two, we looked at, you know, you can't just be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of God's word as well. It's not enough just to listen to it. You actually have to apply it then to your life. And a part of applying it and doing all these things is James says, look, it's not just about faith. It's about faith and your good works as well. You need to actually show people that you have faith. And then last week, we looked at, at speaking and, and boasting, that there is power in the words that we speak, that there is great power in the Word of God itself. And then we looked at that word of boasting, and we discovered that it wasn't like the opposite of like a prideful type of thing. This was like boasting about the future of, oh, this summer we're going on vacation, or, or this fall we're going to remodel the kitchen or something. James says, man, you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't even know if you're going to live tomorrow. So don't boast about that. Instead, say, if it's the Lord's will, I will do that. And by the way, many of you, you've uh, all week long, any message uh, that you've been giving to me, and thank you, by the way, all the birthday wishes that you guys gave me as well uh, this week, uh, but you've been adding that little phrase in there, you know, Lord willing. In fact, the, <coughs> excuse me, the band surprised me with a song that they wrote here this morning uh, after we were done our, uh, our, our warm-up. And uh, that's how the, the, uh, <laughs> the song ended. It was a, a takeoff of Bon Jovi's uh, song that, you know, living on a prayer. And, you know, the whole thing, if you're halfway there, so me being 50, you know, they were like, hey, and Lord willing, you know, I am only halfway there, right? Uh, but it was the, that was how they ended it. It was, uh, you know, Lord willing that I'm halfway uh, there. So thank you to the band for uh, doing that uh, today. But that, that's sort of where we've been today as, as we uh, wrap up. James is going to pair two more words together, and that is the whole sense of that we need to wait, but as we're waiting, we need to pray. Wait and pray. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to James chapter 5. That's where we're going to hang out today, James chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me just uh, sort of remind you, and this isn't like something earth-shattering. You're going to go, oh yeah, that, that's, that's so true. Don't we live in a society that wants things like right now, Right? I mean, it's just, we want it instantly. In fact, if you have enough money, you can have anything on your doorstep by Amazon in one to two days, can't you? <laughs> Literally. We live in a, a, a microwave type of world. Any question you have, like, as long as you have Google, you can almost have every single question answered there with Google. But how many of you know that there's some things that money can't buy and some things that Google can't answer? Right. We've all been there in those situations where we're 
like asking God, where, where are you at? What, what are you doing here in this situation? And again, you wish money could buy the answer, and you, you wish you could just Google it, and God would like answer it there. You're like, it's the same first two letters, G-O, but it, it, just isn't, it isn't working. And we get frustrated, don't we? God, where are you at? What are you doing? And that's what James is going to address here today. That sometimes you've just got to be patient. Sometimes you've just got to wait. But as you're waiting, you need to be praying, listening for the voice of the Spirit. It's in that waiting that sometimes you're going to discover God is actually doing his greatest work. I know I've had that happen in, in my life before. Those times of just immense frustration of, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing? I don't understand it. But in the midst of all that, and in the midst of the praying, God showed up. I'll share an example with you. And I've, I've told this story before, but it's so powerful that I want you to hear it again. In the late 90s, God called me to become a pastor. And so I got all my training, all my schooling, everything that I needed to do. And I thought for sure that I was going to be going on staff at my first church there in the late night, like 99 or, you know, something like that. But there was just delay after delay after delay after delay. And my ordination was being sort of pushed back. No fault of mine. It was just various things that were happening. I was getting so frustrated with the whole situation. And I'll never forget, it was a... It was a Sunday evening worship service, the church that Lisa and I were attending. And at the end, there was sort of a, an altar call. And it was not an altar call like, come forward if you like, want to pray to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life. It was more of an altar call if you just need to pray, if you're seeking after God, just come forward. And our church that we were there, it was you know, about 300 people. So when the, the altar call came, uh, there was probably 20 or 30 people that came forward. And so I was one of them. I'll never forget, I was sort of at the, the right side of the stage, at, at the altar there. And, and I'm praying. And I asked God really three questions in the midst of that prayer. Because, again, I was so frustrated. And these aren't going to sound very holy or very spiritual. But the first thing I said is, God, do you even love me? Because I'm, I'm doubting your love. God, do you even love me? And I prayed and I said, God, what about my family? Because, you know, I became a, a Christian in, in 93 and I haven't seen any progress with my family members coming into a relationship with you. Six years I've been praying and praying. What about my family? And I said, God, you know, do you even want me to be in vocational ministry or not? Did I just eat some bad pepperoni pizza and I missed, like, what you're really speaking? Or is this what you want me to do? And so, again, I, I'm praying there, and there's a bunch of people. And I've asked these three questions. God, do you love me? What about my family? What about the ministry? As I'm there in the very, very back of the church, Someone started speaking in tongues. Now, I don't have time to get in the whole tongues and interpretation and all that kind of stuff. But 
one of the things that if somebody starts to speak in this heavenly language, this unknown language, they have to know before they do that in a church service that there's somebody in the church service that also has what's called the gift of interpretation, that they're going to be able to interpret this unknown tongue so that everybody else can hear something in English. All right, so I'm there, there's a bunch of people there all the way in the back, so they can't see us because people are standing because there's music going on, there's like the worship team is doing like some, some music and stuff. So, um, you know, as, as soon as that starts, sort of the, the worship team sort of stops and, and the, the music gets low, and so that way, you know, this tongues interpretation can come forth. And so this happens in the, in the very back, and over in this corner then, someone with the gift of interpretation gives the interpretation of this message. Okay, so very, it's a very supernatural type of thing that God does. And that, that like we do, they, uh, they recorded all their worship services and everything. And so I was able to go back then and get the interpretation of it. And it helped because I was running the tape ministry, right? That's how old I am, right? That was my very first role in the church of serving was the tape ministry, that if anybody wanted a cassette tape of the in-service, Lisa and I would run on And like a lot of people wanted it. We had like 50 people per week that they wanted cassette tapes of what happened. And so we'd sit at home and we'd duplicate them and get the dot matrix printer out, right? And put the stickers on it. And I always had the little bubbles, you know, in it and, and stuff and had to have Lisa like iron them out. And stuff. But anyway, that was our ministry uh, that we were doing. But I was able to obviously have access to the recordings each and every week, and so I wanted the recording of that interpretation. And the reason that I wanted it, and I carry it around here with me in my wallet, and I've been doing so since, let's look at the date here, and this thing is about to fall apart because this is literally the original. Um, December the 5th of 1999. All right, so what's this, uh, 20, almost 24 years that I've been carrying this around. Now, what were the three questions that I asked? God, do you love me? God, what about my family? And God, what about ministry? All right, so message in tongues is given over in this corner of the room. Interpretation comes from this side of the room. Here's what that woman spoke. And bear with me. This is for the young man who sits at my feet. I do love you. And I've seen your tears. And I've heard your prayers for your loved ones to be saved. I know you want to serve me and win souls. Don't be religious. Get rid of the things that keep you from me. I am going to use you in a mighty way. You're going to be given a chance to preach and teach. And many people are going to come to me through you. I, the Lord your God, will use you in a mighty way. See why I carry this around with me? It's in those moments that we are like, God, where are you at? What are you doing? That God shows up and does amazing things. And here we are almost 24 years later, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know that God loves me. And I've had the privilege and honor of baptizing now both my mom and my dad. They've both come in a relationship with Jesus. And of course, God has used me in a mighty way to, to do things for him all around the world. Do you know how many times I pull this out and I read it? 
That's a lot. 23 years now, I've been a pastor, and my joke is I only want to quit on days that end in the letter Y. But I always pull this back out on those days and those times that I'm feeling defeated, and like, am I even making a difference? And I read that, and I'm reminded of God's message to me on that night there in December of 99. What an encouragement that's been to me. But here's the whole point of telling you that. I would have never had this encouragement to carry around if it hadn't been for that time of waiting. If God had given me what I wanted when I wanted it immediately, I'd have never had this, and probably I wouldn't be a pastor any longer because I'd have given up. Again, I can't tell you the number of times I've had to pull this out and go, No, this is God's promise to me, and so I'm going to keep on going. That's what James is going to talk to us about here today in James chapter 5. In the waiting, pray. In the waiting, persevere. And God's going to see you through. So let's uh, let's jump into it. James chapter 5, verse 7, the very first part of it. James writes this, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Be patient. Now let's let's actually talk about it here for a second. Let's talk about patience. Because patience is one of the, the fruit of the Spirit. And we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit before. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because this isn't something you do yourself that that you drum up yourself. This is something that's supernaturally been given to you at the moment of salvation. At that very moment that you prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, His Spirit comes and now lives inside of you. And that Spirit of God gives you love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are gifts that are given to you. But let's go back to what we talked about last week a little bit. Remember James, he he wrote to us and he said, look, the tongue is a small part of the body, but yet it controls the entire body. And he he used two examples uh, of other things that do that. You remember what they were? The first was what? A, A bit, right? A bit in the horse's mouth. That even that little small bit, it can control that large horse. And then he also said it's like a what? Who remembers? Yeah, it's like a rudder. Right? It's like that rudder on a ship. Even that little small rudder is able to control the large ship and make it go wherever the captain wants to make it go. But that was the point that I made to you, that even though that bit is small, even though that rudder is small and it controls a large thing, you still need the rider, the jockey. You still need the captain of the ship. And so what you need to understand is it's the exact same thing here. It's the exact same thing. Yes, you have been given the fruit of the Spirit. In the case of what we're talking about here today, you've been given supernatural patience. But even though it's been given to you, you're still in control of it. What I'm saying to you is you've been given supernatural love, a a, a love for people that you just don't naturally have. You've been given supernatural peace a peace which Paul writes, he says, it surpasses all human understanding. You've been given that. Things that used to like freak you out, 
Now they don't anymore. Why? Because the, the Spirit is in you. A, a joy, a supernatural joy that you've been given. Yeah, bad circumstances happen, but man, you've been given this supernatural joy. And again, in the context of today, you've been given a supernatural um, uh, patience. You've been given patience. You're going, Gilbert, not me, man. I don't have patience. Well, maybe the old you didn't, but the old you is dead. At the moment you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life, the old you dies. The new you that is now alive in Jesus has supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As long as you're tapping into it. So I don't want to hear you say, oh, Gilbert, I'm just, I'm just not a, a patient person. Well, that's because you're choosing not to be a patient person. Yes, the old you wasn't a patient person, but the new you has patience supernaturally. But you got to tap into it. Got to tap into that gift that you've been given. Now, to illustrate this, James uses something that they would have been familiar with from their agricultural society that they lived in. Look at the uh, second part of uh, verse 5 there, or uh, verse 7, I mean, and then uh, into 8. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too must be patient. Now, I've got to tell you another story. Back in, uh, I guess it was February-ish or so, UGI, at the end of the month, came out and they installed gas lines in our house. We decided to switch everything else over to, to gas. And so they're supposed to like have this like special like thing that goes down and they're able to shove all the wires underground and stuff. But it turns out our, uh, uh, our, uh, our yard is just like really, really rocky. And so they actually had to trench out like from the street all the way back to our house, which left then like a three-foot wide just like dirt path, which looks horrible, right? And so the very first day that the weather warmed up, I went out to Home Depot. I buy a bunch of grass seed. I spread all the grass, you know, seed out and stuff and get it all done. And I read the instructions then that says, okay, if it's not raining, you have to water it twice a day. So I sat on my cell phone, an alarm that went off at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. to remind me to go out and to water the lawn. Now, I know we had a lot of rain this week, but do you realize how little rain we've had since February? Now, I've, I've got to backtrack to another story. This is a saying that Lisa and I have had for many years in our marriage. Remember back in the uh, late 80s and into the 90s, there was these Dunkin' Donut commercials with Fred the Baker. It was like this old guy, right? And, and one of the, the things that Fred would do is his alarm would go off like at 3 a.m. in the morning, and he'd like wake up groggily, and he's like, it's time to make the donuts. <laughs> and he would get out of bed, and he would go into the Dunkin' Donuts to make the donuts. And that commercial, it just kept repeating, like, 3 a.m., the alarm goes off, and he's like, it's time to make the donuts. And he would go in, and he'd make the donuts. So Lisa and I have had this saying for almost all the years of our, our marriage. Anytime there's something we don't want to do that we have to do, we say, 
it's time to make the donuts. <laughs> and so every day for the last couple of months at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., I'd say to Lisa, it's time to make the donuts. And so out I go, and I'm watering the grass every single day. And talk about a lesson, lesson in patience. Because you're watering that seed, and it looks like absolutely nothing is happening for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. And finally, I start to see these little blades of grass coming up, and every day I'm going out, and I'm making the donuts, right? And Lisa's got to go, and, hey, today I'll take a chocolate one, or today I want a raspberry-filled one, or, you know, whatever it is. I'd say I was going out to make the donuts. And occasionally, like three times in the last three months, it actually did rain, and Lisa would go, hey, Jesus is making the donuts for you today. I was like, yeah, Jesus! <laughs> But Jesus hasn't been doing his part <laughs> very often. And so every day I'm out there doing it. But even with me watering every day, it's just been so dry that even as the grass came up, it's been browning. You know, every other thing of grass has been uh, getting, uh, you know, uh, dead. But even my new grass is getting dead. Even with me watering the donuts or uh, watering the uh, grass, <laughs> making the donuts and watering the grass uh, every, every single day. And so talk about, you know, patience. I've gotten to the place now where I'm like, it may actually be not until next year till this actually fully, you know, comes in. And that's what James is writing about here. He's like, look, the farmer, when they go out and they plant that seed, they're not expecting that tomorrow, like, they're going to have a crop. No, they got to be patient for the spring rains to come and to, to help that crop in order for it to grow. And he's reminding us of the exact same thing. Now, in, in their day and time, what they were being patient about was they were being persecuted. And they didn't understand exactly what was going on. And you may not understand what's going on in your life right now. Because maybe there's something in your finances or with your health or in your marriage or with your kids that you're like, man, what in the world is going on? James is writing, says, just be patient. Verses 10 and 11 then, he says, My friends, follow the example of the prophets who spoke for the Lord. They were patient even when they had to suffer. In fact, we praise the ones who endured the most. You remember how patient Job was and how the Lord finally helped him? The Lord did this because he is merciful and he's kind. And so James writes here and he reminds us of the story of Job. Job lived like 4,000 years ago. But do you remember his story? Job lost everything. Job lost his family. Job lost his friends. Job lost the fortune that he had. But yet he was patient. He endured. He continued to pray. And ultimately, God restored everything for him. And he was greatly rewarded. And then we see this. And this is what James is talking about. The, the prophets of old, time after time after time after time, they go through some immense persecution, some immense hardships. But they're patient in the midst of it. And ultimately, God rewards them. You know, I'm thinking of Joseph in the Old Testament. Remember him? He gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And then when it looks like things are starting to turn the corner for him, he gets accused of rape falsely. So he gets thrown into prison. And then when it looks like maybe things are going to turn the corner and he's going to be released, like the guy that promised that I'll remember you when I get out, he forgets all about him. But ultimately, he keeps on being patient. He keeps on trusting God. He keeps on praying. God raises him up to become the second in all of Egypt. 
So what I'm saying to you is, is we need to take the advice of James. We need to learn the lesson of Job. We need to learn the lesson of Joseph to be patient and trust God at all times. Now, again, I realize this is easier said than done because, as I mentioned earlier, we live in a fast paced, you know, 90 days, same as cash. You can have it right now. Instant rice that we can have. We have, you know, YouTube, the instant pot that maybe you cook in. Our entire culture is built to be stronger and faster and more efficient, more precise and more productive. Ironically, though, we live in a culture that promotes all those things, but yet is less peaceful, less content, and less satisfied than any generation has ever been. Again, I don't know what it is that you're going through here this morning, but as I mentioned to you last week, there is power not just in words, but there is power in the word. And in the midst of the times that you need to be patient and you need to continue on praying, remember there's always answers right in God's word for you. So let me give you just a couple of scriptures that maybe will encourage those of you that are going through a trying time right now. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 to 31, we read this, even young people get tired, then stumble and fall, but those who trust and wait patiently for the Lord will find new strength. They'll be strong like eagles soaring upward on wings. They'll walk and run without getting tired. Or look at this one, Psalm 27, 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And Peter writes this, 2 Peter 3, 9. He says, the Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises, as some people think that he is. In fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. So being patient is important. Being patient is powerful. But here's what we need to realize. As we're being patient, we're not just sort of sitting there doing nothing. There's something that we need to add to our patience. There's something we need to be doing as we're being patient. That's what James is going to address next. Verses 13 to 14. He says, if, if you're having trouble, you should do what? You should? And if you're feeling good, you should sing praises. You should, you should pray. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, as I read this, you know, I couldn't help but to flash back to, like, my, like, high school senior year, and that was when MC Hammer, can't touch this, can't touch this, right? And so, like, that was, like, the big song, like, when I'm a senior in high school, and we're going to celebrate our seniors here in just a little bit. But I didn't just get the little single. I got the whole album of MC Hammer. Probably nobody else did that. I did. And there was another song that was on that. It was simply entitled Pray. And it was so simple of a song. He would rap. He would go, that's why we pray. And then there was like this gospel choir, and they go, pray, right? And then he'd go, we need to pray. And they go, pray. And he'd say, we need to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. We need to pray just to make it today. And that's what James is doing. He's just doing it 2,000 years before. He's like, are you sick? You need to. Right? Very good. Are you tired? You need to. 
you online, you need to be participating because they're embarrassing themselves <laughs> here in the room. Play along, right? <laughs> Do you need help in your marriage? You need to? Right. Yeah, see, you get it. We need to pray just to make it today. <laughs> That's what James is saying. It doesn't matter what is happening in your life. No matter what you're going through, your natural default should be either to pray or to praise. Things are going bad, pray about it. Things are going good, give God praise about it. Praying and praising should be as natural to us as breathing. So if you get a good parking spot, praise him for that. You, you need help in your marriage, pray about that. You're not feeling well, pray about that. You need to do it at all times. Pray and praise. And I mean all times. And James isn't even the only one that talks about this. Paul, he, he writes this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. He says, always be joyful, never stop what? Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And so God's will is that you would always be rejoicing, always praying, always praising, always giving thanks. Now, again, I know that sounds impossible to be always doing, especially in light of the average American Christian prays two minutes a day. But I want you to hear the heart behind the instruction that James is giving. In verses uh, 15 to 16, he writes this. He says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And here's the heart. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is what? It is powerful and it's effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. So prayer is powerful. Singing songs of praise, it's powerful. Why? Because again, as we looked at last week, words are powerful. When you pray using those words, that's powerful. When you sing praise, that is powerful as well. So again, whether you're sick or sad or happy, mad, whatever it is, make prayer as natural as breathing. Because James says this prayer of the righteous is powerful and it's effective. And then he uses the prophet Elijah as an example. Verses 17 and 18, he says, Elijah was just as human as we are. And for three and a half years, his prayers kept the rain from falling. But when he did pray for rain, it fell from the skies and made the crops grow. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, maybe I should have been praying more about Jesus making the donuts over the last couple of months, right? <laughs> Now, I'm actually not going to get into the story of Elijah and Ahab and why it wasn't raining and why it did rain and all that kind of stuff, because that's not the point that I want to make is that particular story. What I want to point out is what James said there at the very beginning. He said, Elijah was just as much a man as what we are. In other words, what James is saying is there was absolutely nothing special about Elijah. Now, think about Elijah out of all the Old Testament prophets, he's probably the one that did the most miracles. I mean, he did some pretty amazing things. But it wasn't him doing it. It was God doing it through him. And the only difference James is saying between, James, uh, between you and, and Elijah is maybe, just maybe, Elijah had a little bit more faith that his prayers were actually being heard by God and that God was going to act on his behalf. James says Elijah was just as human as what you and I are. We 
need to pray in faith that God is going to act and move on our behalf because that's what he wants to do. What I'm saying is your prayers matter. And what I'm saying today is as you're waiting, as you're being patient, make sure that you add prayer onto that. Now, as we wrap up the series then, let's again just do a little bit of a, a recap. Testing in times of trial are going to come. But we need to do what? We need to persevere. Persevere. Just keep on going. Keep on going. And as we're doing that, we're going to be inspired by the Word of God. We're going to hear sermons that are like, okay, man, I'm in a rough spot, but that sermon inspired me. But James says, okay, don't just hear the message. Don't just read a devotional. Don't just do those things. You need to also, right, you also have to do it. You have to apply it. Here at Exponential, we say take a next step. There's always a next step to take. Every time you hear me preach a message, whether it's a good message or a bad message, there's still a next step God is asking you to take. Every time you crack open Scripture and you read it, there's a next step God wants you to take. Every time you read a devotional, there's a next step that God wants you to take. Every time you turn on the Christian radio and you hear something, or a Christian TV, you hear something, there's a next step that God is asking you to take. Never, ever, ever stop hearing a message and then just say, well, that was a good message, and then don't do anything about it. Always take a next step, whatever it is. And so James says, all right, you know, to, to really prove that we're doing that, don't just have faith. He says you also have to do what? You have to prove it by your, your works. Apply it. And that, that, that'll be the fruit that you actually have faith. And then last week we talked about, look, words are powerful. Be careful what you're saying. There's power in words. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't even know that you're guaranteed tomorrow. So if it's the Lord's will, I'll do this. If it's the Lord's will, I'm going to do that. And then today we looked at we need to be patient, but we can't just be patient. While we're being patient, we need to? There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got to pray. We got to keep on praying. Again, James, he, he writes this letter to the church that he loves because he cared about them. And he wanted what was best. And so I'm encouraging you, because we didn't get to cover everything in the five chapters here of James. I'm encouraging you to go home and read all five chapters for yourself. Because there's so much practical stuff that's in here. And as your pastor, and as the people that I love, I want to encourage you that, look, we may not be to the place that they were at where, like, literally they could be killed for their faith, but it's coming. It's coming. And so I want you to get to the place that no matter what's happening in your life individually or in your family, in our church, in our community, in our nation, in the world, that, that you know what to do. You know how to persevere through all that. Because again, it's going to get worse in this nation before it probably gets better. And I know people, oh, let's pray for revival. Well, let's pray for revival. But what we need to understand is that usually when revival breaks out, it's a lot worse than what we even have it right now. So it's probably going to get worse. So we got to go back to the very beginning the very first words that James encouraged his congregation with. 
And I want to close with those words. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking for anything. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your half-brother, James, and that he ultimately did become your follower, and he ultimately became that pastor there in the Jerusalem church. And in the midst of it, he didn't just run and hide. He wanted to encourage his church family. And so he writes this beautiful letter, this practical letter to them. We thank you that those words still inspire and encourage us now 2,000 years later. But Lord, just as James wrote, help us not just be hearers of your word, help us to be doers as well. So help us to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Help us not to just listen to messages, but help us to actually do messages. Help us not to be people that are just known for our faith and our beliefs, but help us to be known for the good works that we do as well. Help us to be known as people of your word and people that aren't like boasting about the future, but we're like, whatever God's will is. I just want to do God's will. And so if that is to live another day and to honor and glorify him, then I'm going to do it. If it's to return home to him in heaven, then I'm fine with that as well. And Lord, help us in the midst of all the the tough times and the, the times that we're not sure what to do, just to have patience. But in the midst of the patience, to be praying in faith that, God, you're going to show up and do miraculous things on our behalf. Help us to be like Elijah, to have such a a strong faith that we just trust that you're going to do something for little old us because we are just as human as what he was. Lord, again, I, I don't know what everybody in this room is going through, everybody that's watching online, what they're going through, but you do. So, Lord, I pray that you would give them their next step that they need to take as a result of this message, as a result of this entire series. Help them to be faithful in that, and then to take the next step after that, and the next step after that, and the next step after that. And we know, God, that as they do that, they're going to be able to look back at a week, a month, a year, a decade from now, and go, oh, look at what Jesus did. Jesus, again, I thank you that those questions that I gave there in 99, do you love me? What about my family? What about ministry? I can now look back on that and go, Wow. Wow, look at what you did. And sometimes we need that, that far perspective to see it. So, Lord, just help us to be patient in the midst of it, to not expect things right this instant, but just to say, Lord, whatever your timing is, I know it's your perfect timing. And so help me just to take those next steps that you call me to take. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.